In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. My dear brothers and sisters, on this 13th Sunday of Ordinary Time, the readings that we've just heard, I think, speak to the hearts of us all, as they speak about discipleship, about what it means to follow the Lord. In whatever walk of life we might be, the calling of God comes to our hearts, and he longs for us to put nothing before him to place God first above all things. Jesus will say in another place, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all else will come unto you. We find in this first reading, the book of Kings, the prophet, the great prophet Elijah, the one that was awaited by the people later, and then talks to Jesus with Moses on the mountain. That prophet that was revered as the great prophet of Israel, he is about to be taken up by the Lord and God sends him to appoint his successor, to call the one who is Elisha, who will follow after in his footsteps. And when he comes upon Elisha, it says here he comes upon him in a field, and he's plowing the field with no less than 12 yoke of oxen. 12 in the gospel and in the scriptures refers to abundance. 12 yoke, you know, a yoke has two oxen together. That means 24 oxen he's plowing with. It's a signal of, Elisha's not just some guy in a field. No, he's doing pretty well. He's probably a pretty wealthy guy. He's got plenty of goods. But he doesn't doubt for an instant in leaving whatever he has in order to follow the call of the Lord. He goes up behind Elijah, let me go say goodbye to my family. Okay, I didn't say anything. It's what God's saying to you in your heart, you better get it done. And he goes and he kills the oxen. He burns their flesh. He, he, he gives them to his people to feed them, to the whole town, obviously. And then he goes and follows the call. He's detached from the material goods, from the things of this world, in order to give his life to God above all. Very similar to what happens in the gospel when these three approach Jesus. Two of them say, I'll follow you. Jesus calls one to follow him. But all three of them, he lets them know it means letting go of everything else. The foxes have dens, the birds have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Let the dead bury the dead. You preach the kingdom. Don't put your hand on the plow and look back. Go forward. In other words, you need to have this healthy detachment from material things or from the things of the world. Let it be pride, let it be power, let it be fame, let it be money, let it be whatever might be that which has got your heart. Place your heart in me, fill your heart with my love, allow me to use you as my instrument to share that with others. No matter where you are or who you are, as a disciple of Jesus, we are all called to do this through baptism. To be priests, prophets, and kings. And so there's this discipleship which demands of us a letting go. It demands of us, it doesn't mean don't use your money to pay your bills. Yes, be responsible, pay your bills. Have a house and you can live in and be comfortable in and take care of your family. Have a car, get to work. Use your cell phone properly for the right things. 
Don't let the devil let you use it for the things you know you shouldn't. You know, the material goods of the world are not to be despised. God doesn't want that. He gave them to us so that we could use them and administer them in a proper way according to his will. But we can't be attached to them where they become our God, in certain way our idols. We have to have this healthy detachment from the material goods of the world. Whether they're spiritual things like fame and power and, or, or physical things like money and objects, whatever they might be. Above all, our very selves. Because oftentimes, we might not have any of the other stuff, but we can be very wrapped up in ourselves. And the Lord says, no, die to yourself. Let the seed fall to the ground and die so that it can bear fruit. Be detached from everything, even yourself. Allow me to be what fills your heart and gives you the strength, the grace, the light, the love you need to go forth and share this with others. This is our call as disciples of the Lord. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. No, we're going to fall, we're going to sin, we're going to fail. But we have to keep striving to get up, to go forward, to do what is right and good. To be pleasing to the Lord. Let the other things have their place. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all else will come unto you. St. Paul, in the letter to the Galatians here, says, Brothers and sisters, for freedom Christ set us free. Not freedom that gives free reign to the flesh, but freedom that is to do the will of God. And that will is to love God above all things and love your neighbor. No longer just as you love yourself. Love your neighbor more than yourself. Love them the way I have loved you. If you do this, you fulfill the law. You don't need the law. Because the person who wants to love God and love others doesn't need someone to tell them, you can't kill, you can't steal, you can't do this, and you can't do that. Because if you truly love, you're not going to do any of those things. We, usually, we often use this example when we're preparing couples for marriage. We ask the husband or the wife to be, what's the fifth commandment? And usually they know. You're probably all thinking right now, which one was that? Thou shalt not kill. Once they know what the fifth commandment is, I ask them, do you need that commandment to not kill one another? Do you need me to tell you thou shalt not kill so as you don't kill each other? No. Why? Well, because we love each other. You see, love is the fulfillment of the law, Jesus says, because when you truly love God above all things and your neighbor as he has loved us, then you will do no harm. You will not sin against them or against the Lord because you strive to live the love of God. It doesn't mean you won't fail. Yes, we all fail. You ask forgiveness, you get up, you go forward, you keep striving to live according to the way of the Lord. This is what God asks us. We're not free to do whatever we want. We're free to do what's right and good according to God. We see the apostles here in the gospel as they come to the Samaritan village. The Samaritans didn't like the Jews. And they find out Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, so they don't want to receive him. They reject him. They will have nothing to do with him. And two of the disciples, James and John, 
Lord, you want us to rain down fire from heaven upon these sinners? And that often can be our attitude. Just think right now, for example, the world we're in, the situation we're in, the moment we're in right now in our country. On Friday, the sacred heart of Jesus, the Supreme Court finally struck down this terrible law. Recognizing the sacredness of all human life. This isn't something that we shouldn't even need a law for. Because if we truly love God and love others, we're going to respect the sacredness of all human life. And yet the reaction, thanks be to God, I think it's been such a great positive reaction in most of the world, but the negative reaction of evil, of, of the, the way the, de the devil has confused so many minds of so many souls in wanting them to reject the truth of Jesus Christ, to reject the truth of the sacredness of life. It's sad to see, but we could be like these apostles saying, God, rain down fire from heaven upon them. No, Jesus says, he, just here, Jesus rebuked them. He rebuked James and John. Don't condemn the sinner. Don't condone their sin. You're not going to agree with the sin, but at the same time, pray for the conversion of their hearts. Pray that God will give them the light to see the truth, that they too will come to the fullness of understanding of the sacredness of all human life. What a gift we have to be disciples of the Lord to allow the light of Christ shine in us for the good of all. Because God wants them too to be saved. They can yell at us, they can criticize us, they can condemn us, they can say what they want about us for respecting God's laws and God's life that he's given us as a great precious gift. From the moment of conception, and there's not a single human being in the whole universe, in the whole world, whose life didn't begin there, every single one scientifically began in that moment of conception. So to deny it is a lie of the devil. Every human life is sacred. And thus we should pray that all the lives be respected by all the hearts of all human beings. That rather than rain down fire, God rain down his mercy and love upon those that need a conversion of heart starting with ourselves. It's not for us to condemn, it's for us to unite our heart to the heart of Jesus, to love the way Jesus loved, to be willing to give our life in the sacrifice, whether we're rejected, or spurned, or ridiculed, or laughed at, or whatever it might be, the reaction to our faith as disciples of Jesus Christ. We have to let go of the ways of the world, slaughter the oxen, feed the people. We have to recognize that in the following of Jesus, we may not have a place to lay our head. We can't look back. We have to look forward and strive to be willing in his name to follow in his footsteps for the glory of God, loving him above all things, and for the good of our neighbor, wanting their salvation at any cost, even if it's through martyrdom of our own lives. This is what the attitude of Jesus was. He did not come to condemn the sinner, but to save them. And that starts with you and me. It's not like all the ones out there are the sinners and we're in here all the good people. No, no, no. You know the story of the person who says, I don't go to church because it's all hypocrites in there. And the elderly lady responded, well, 
you're more than welcome. There's always room for one more, right? Yeah, we all are sinners. I've said that a thousand times or a million from this pulpit, starting with myself. I'm no better than you, oftentimes worse. We all need God's mercy. We all need his love. He's called us all through baptism to share in his divine life, to be members of his body, to let go of the ways of the world, and to live in the freedom of the sons and daughters of God who strive to live a life according to his holy will. Let's ask him to give us the grace. I know my words are weak, and there's so much more richness here than I could ever touch upon, because the scripture is always overwhelming. Let's ask God and the Holy Spirit to give us the grace, as he says here, St. Paul, to live according to the Spirit, to let the Spirit enlighten our hearts, our minds, to live in the truth, and to pray that all men and women in this world will come to the knowledge of truth in Jesus Christ in order to live as brothers and sisters in the respect of all human life, in the sacredness of the gift that God has given us, so that one day we can share eternally in that life with him in heaven. It's just God to give us that grace to live as true disciples of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.